step forward. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Then and Now podcast. I am your one of your regular co-hosts, Captain Diesel C. Diesel. To the left of me, I have uh, Lelouch V, OG Big Blurred. And to the right of me, I have Professor E, King of the Comics, Ethan Murphy. How y'all doing, my brothers? I'm, I'm quitting the show. Um, it's here to it stay. was from until this introduction started. Now I'm just like, you know what? Uh, I've had a good time. You know, we've had our, our fun. <laughs> If I'm not anything, I'm a man of my word. I told you that that name was here to stay. <laughs> here to stay. <laughs> Professor E, how you doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. Uh, enjoying some some downtime. Just, uh, ready to go, man. A lot of fun to talk about. How you doing, my friend? I know you were battling a couple of viruses and illnesses. Oh shit. Oh, we gotta get that straight. We good. I think. Okay, I think we're good. Um, I'm good, man. I um was a little under the weather, but I am back to like at least 90% now. Um, good enough to do the show, so I'm here. Uh, yeah, everyone, to get right into it, we wanted to do this show over the discussion of live action adaptations and the need for them or the lack of. Um, obviously, this is more so sparked by. A lot of the conversation going on around the One Piece live action adaptation that's recently uh, come out on Netflix's platform. Uh, first and foremost, let's go ahead and have a little bit of a dialogue on our thoughts on the series in general. Um, and because I feel like Otis probably watched or read more of the series, I'll start with you. You know what I mean? I'm completely current on the anime. The manga I was current on for a while. I got bored of reading it. It's not a fun read. Um, at least for me. But, um, I mean, I, I don't think that this show actually needed a live-action adaptation. Um, it didn't hurt it, because, I mean, clearly it's the most popular thing on television right now, or on, on the internet right now. Uh, clearly high, the highest-rated thing that's come from live-action. So, I mean, mm-hmm. I can't necessarily say it was a, it's a detriment to the, the brand. But mm-hmm. it definitely, uh, it wasn't the highest quality. Let's leave it there. Right. What up, Danny? Appreciate you for tuning in. We love seeing new faces here, especially yeah. on YouTube. Uh, Ethan, what are your thoughts? Yeah, so I mean, I, I, I'm I'm more positive on the series. I enjoy watching it. I, I do think it's funny because it was made by the same studio as the Tomorrow Studios, the same exact studio that made uh, Cowboy Bebop, which I was not a fan of. And uh, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's no, I, no I think one was, no one was, except for, for cycles out there, <laughs> right? Except for you know cycles. But this thing, like I, I heard, like I saw that like, so some of the the things that Netflix itself was revealing about how this is actually getting more eyes on it than Wednesday and then Stranger Things. Uh, so it's like this, mm. it, regardless if we have hate on it or not, this thing was making some serious numbers. I don't know if everyone was love watching it or hate watching it. Regardless, it was making some waves and it. It was it was a fun watch. Uh, we're talking about adaptations. It, when it comes to anime or even live action with video games, there are a lot of misses. This may not have been perfect by any means, but it was definitely trying to have be more in the spirit of the right thing. So this I, I, is I the it. of like if you're throwing darts at a dartboard, like if you get something stuck in that last ring, just right there. <laughs> that's that's what this was. This wasn't a miss. But it wasn't a miss. It wasn't bullseye. 
Yeah, yeah, it wasn't a miss, but it, but it may, it may not have been the best thing. But again, I think one. I mean, I'll, I'll stop because it's a long intro. But it's just like you have to appreciate what they were trying to do in the medium they're trying to do it. One Piece, a manga that never necessarily needed an anime, was trying to be leading to a live action, which was never really the medium for it to begin with either. So it's a lot of things you're trying to translate, and things are going to get lost in translation. Yeah. Um... For me, I kind of share a lot of similar sentiments as my brothers here. I um, I feel like I'm coming in with a relatively unbiased thought process on it because, one, I'm drastically behind on the series itself. I think I'm only like 169 episodes in Oof. of the anime itself, um, and I've yet to read any of the manga. So I know like a lot of the different bigger moments because those have been like memed to death, and a lot of content creators have like made TikToks or shorts around those moments. Um, so I have an idea of the show. And what it is but for whatever reason i don't know i'll talk to you guys about this in our group chat but i don't know what it is with these specifically the netflix uh adaptations where they have this look of amateurism about them. Mm-hmm. Like the, well, usually for me the biggest part is the casting design um and i talked about this where it's like trying to recreate super flamboyant hairstyles your audio got a little muffled uh somewhere Test test, my good, my good there. You sound good, you sound good. Okay, um, but trying to recreate like the overly flamboyant hairstyles that you see in certain anime, it's 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 you're not able to do that and it look good. Like if they like when they tried to do like Goku's hair in Dragon Ball Evolution, and all they did was like spike his shit up with some gel, and I'm like, that just looks goofy. You could have just did a regular hairstyle, and it would have been fine. It like you because you see it in like in in superhero adaptations, right, where they'll modernize. Cap's outfit, or they'll modernize like Black Widow's fit to where it looks somewhat memorable to the source material, but it's also going to look realistic and not look gaudy when we do it. I'm seeing a lot of stuff here to where some of the costume design or some of like some of the makeup for like Arlon looked relatively decent, like it looked as good. I feel like you could get, but Arlon maybe you could get better with it. I'm not a special effects makeup guru, so I didn't have a massive uh, issues with that. But some of the other characters just looked a little bit off to me. Um, and I see that consistently when it comes to this, the Bleach one as well, uh, uh, the Full Garbage. Metal Alchemist one. Garbage. <laughs> it's just, they, like, I've seen cosplays in real life that look better than these. And these are usually made by one individual, maybe like a group of people working on this thing. So how are these literal amateurs when it, well, I'm not going to call them amateurs. I don't know how long they've been doing it for. But in regards to... Uh, film possibly these people that aren't getting paid as much to do this thing and just doing it in their free time makes something that is more visually appealing at least to me than these major budget projects it is it, i don't i don't understand it because the people you know they they put money into the set design they didn't they didn't go to the costume design like they they ran out of the budget there they didn't, they didn't mm-hmm. i mean i think yeah. i think it's a little more complicated than that because the the budget i mean sure you guys heard about this there's eight episodes right and the episodes mm. cost roughly 18 million dollars a piece to make which is it's more which, which is which is more than yeah more than game of thrones per episode okay and if you look at game of thrones compared to this you'd say oh my gosh game of thrones clearly has a much bigger budget no this actually had a bigger budget per episode uh and so it's not that they couldn't afford 
the outfits to look a certain way. It's that they're trying to make them look as similar to the way they look in the anime and the mm. manga. They don't; those outfits don't look complicated or complex at all in the anime and the manga. So they're trying to, in a sense, adhere to the animated and manga illustrations, essentially. And by doing that, it comes across looking more like a stage play. Mm. So it's kind of a weird. It's like where do you draw the line? Should you go hardcore, making them look as realistic as possible, and possibly alienate the hardcore fans and say, "Hey, that looks too real," or do you make it look more akin to the actual designs from the manga and the anime, and, and have people say, "Wait a minute, let's make a stage play." It's a weird, you know, where do you which way do you go? It might go towards the modernized. The fans be okay. Because in my opinion, when you're doing an adaptation, for me, I'm not a big fan of just retelling the same story. Like I'd rather you like pretty much make a fan fiction, like do a version of that story, make it different. That way, new fans and old fans can still have some form of like tension and excitement. Because for me, if I watch like a Dragon Ball adaptation, I was actually good. It could be as amazing as it possibly could be, but because I've seen the story and know the story beat by beat, I'm gonna enjoy watching it. But I feel like I'm not gonna get as much joy as I would watching something that I had no idea what was gonna happen. And I can speculate. I can have ideas of what's going to happen, but do something different. And I, I think just like some adaptations to me lack a sense of creativity and innovation. And I feel like you need in something like this personally, because I'm looking at something like Dragon Ball Heroes, right? Where they're using the Dragon Ball IP and they're using very similar stuff, but they, it's something new. Like my cousin, he's, he was like, he introduced me into blurred them a little bit. I told you about him before he's a little bit older, but he's really out of touch with stuff. He's still very much so handcuffed to the stereotypical anime. stuff. like he watches dragon ball Pokemon with his kids. He didn't really get double into too much stuff outside of that. And like, maybe like Yu-Gi-Oh and he loves dragon ball heroes because he's getting new content with something that's familiar to him. And it's something that I, as somebody who's watched a lot of the stuff can enjoy. And somebody who's a casual like him, that he doesn't really have a lot of, knowledge of the verse he can still enjoy that as well and you're not mm -hmm. just beat by beat ripping off what's already been done and what you can argue is the best form mm -hmm. yeah. yeah i mean, I mean it's the thing. Uh, so like that, uh, there is a dance with that though because i mean once you get so far from the original source you do risk the fact uh like you no know, well pissing off the fans they may like oh mm -hmm. this isn't the the show that i've, I've well I've been accustomed to right what is this you just kind of you know, milk the the IP and gave us something completely different. So that there is a balance to it. Like, I mean, I wouldn't say like like completely deviate from it, especially if you're going to be uh, using similar characters. Mm -hmm. But yeah, like find ways to twist and turn the the story to keep the the long term fans guessing and also being able to hold on to the newcomers as well, because there were a lot of newcomers onto this. Mm -hmm. So I mean. It, 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 it's it's easier said than done uh, when it comes to finding that balance. In my opinion, I feel like we've seen a couple, like even something something that dropped relatively the same time. I know you haven't watched any Adventure Time stuff yet, but the Fiona uh, Fiona and Cake show that just recently came out on HBO. I had a preconceived notion of what it was going to be because I've seen that character, that run of stuff, spin off during the actual show, and I watched this and I'm like, this is amazing. This is a direct spinoff of a verse that i have familiarity with but they're telling their own story we've seen that with that we talked about that like just so was recently that, was that live action or animated, it's, uh, it's, animated. It's, it's animated but it's in regards to you retelling instead of just i see your point there as far as that one may not be the most accurate one but something similar like something we talked about it with like velma right like doing something new 
with something that's already established and something that's similar and not just yeah but that didn't and work look how well. that turned out yeah what are we yeah. talking about we we want that complete like they just literally <laughs> carbon copied those characters in there and made shit like weird versus telling a different story those no, are the same I characters like, it was like i feel like those are completely that's different completely characters, different characters. Have a name. <laughs> those yeah, are not the case of characters at all that's a completely different thing I th so what i will say that is this here's an example that we did bring up last time was talking about the my adventure with superman how that is mm -hmm. a essentially it is a re not retelling but it is a a new new take on the source material that for the most part we think i mean we all agree that it works we all enjoyed that that's the idea of what if he's to superman when he was young essentially an intern made his made his best friend jimmy olsen and made that lois lane and jimmy olsen basically knew from the jump who he was uh we did that react that try and go that react that route and it actually worked that's a different version though however that's a completely different story that's not the story we've seen before done over and over again and with manga as y'all can attest to it, manga has the same writer creator working on it the entire time its entirety and it's one story so when you change things it's like this is a different version there's there's no fanfic that's done like a batman there's so many different batman stories that have been told over the years since uh you know since the late great bill finger wrote it there's so many different versions any story you tell a batman is fine now because it's, essentially there's so many different versions it's all it's all uh, it's all fanfic, of, it's all <laughs> fanfic. why not but with one piece for example there's only been one story or one you know narrative over all these 20 plus years done by Oda. So if you do any, any variation, anything you deviate from that, it is essentially going too far off the, path, off, the, off the beaten path. By the way, Oda was involved with this show pretty heavily. So, and yeah, there were lots of things. literally had to redo half the season to fit towards Oda's standards. Yeah, he actually pushed back against a bunch of different things and actually wanted to, and fought them on certain things. And certain things he lost on, but certain things he, he won on. So, I mean, it's mm. he was involved with it too. So it's. It's a much harder thing you might think to get done. Because at the end of the day, people just don't like new shit. Like even like we talked about the Batman stuff with all those alternate versions and those fan fictions that are really beloved. Not for a lot of that stuff too. People did not like originally with certain characters. People did not like certain characters or innovative things originally because you know people don't like giving new things a chance. But I think, I, I think it's almost like giving kids their medicine in the sense of like you're not gonna like this initially, but we like if you're doing something. And you're doing it as in your if you're putting all the right things around it, people are going to be skeptical of the thing at first until they actually get like until they let down their preconceived judgments on what this thing would be and kind of give it a chance because we've seen it a lot with different music between any different form of media entertainment from music to animation to to just I don't see reality TV just TV in general. Where something's like, oh, it comes out, people hate it, and then you see that post ten years later, to where, oh, this is low key underrated. We, I don't know why we don't talk about this thing anymore, and now it's a whole like cult as a cult following behind it now. I'm not saying this is one of those things, but I'm saying as far as doing something different, people are never gonna like that new thing or uh, new thing at first, especially yeah. with something like this that isn't even finished all the way yet. Right. It's the same effect with just about everything. You don't necessarily appreciate it until it's it's done. That's that's mm -hmm. why I hate grading things before they're over because the end mm -hmm. is really important. Right. Mm -hmm. Same thing with uh like Michael Jordan, Kobe. While they were playing, they were not beloved. They were talked about as ball holes and called <laughs> assholes. This, that, and the third. It wasn't until both of them retired that we go back and like, oh, there's the mother mentality. Oh, Jordan's the goat. Like while they were playing. <laughs> All the criticism. All they literally, I remember, there are literally articles out about Jordan saying that you, you can never win that way. Like being a ball hog and scoring, you will never win a championship that way. 
six years later, <laughs> nine years later, now this is it's insane. But mm-hmm. yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah, and that's but you're you're both right that it does. Time is a real test for everything, as far as like mm-hmm. if anything actually holds up, if fans like it or not. And we, I mean, it's something that I talked about last night about how like <laughs> fans in our community are very toxic, especially blurred fans are very toxic. Can be very doesn't matter what you do, it's hard to satisfy some people. Uh, that's why this thing is kind of broken a few molds because it actually has, even though it may have some criticism, it's had some positive reception too. For the most part, these things never get any kind of positive reception. This has actually had some positive reception, quite mm-hmm. a bit of positive reception, to be honest with y'all. I mean, there are people actually excited to see, if you, you guys watch any reactions to people watching episodes, like, oh my gosh, that's there, and this is really interesting, this is kind of fun. Of course, they have all kinds of gripes, but they still have lots of, they're actually enjoying something about it. There was nothing to enjoy about Death Note or Cowboy oh, Bebop oh, or, I mean, there's, yeah. or Dragon Jet Ball Z Evolutionary. Jet Black. For Jet, oh, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, fair, that's fair. But, I mean, it's, it, it, there's, there's so many that oftentimes the cons are so overwhelming compared to the pros. Uh, for this to have any positive feedback is, you know, is a test of time. It's, it's, it's a testament of some kind. So it's, you know, it's, it's moving the needle in the right direction. So to create a kind of a question off of that spinoff, Otis, for you specifically, specifically, we had me and Ethan had this conversation playing Remnant. I think like last night, I think last night or night before. Do you believe that black nerds are the most difficult to please when it comes to um, just things like nerd media or content that comes out in general? Because for a lot of the time, we talked about it. Like we'll see in groups a lot of a lot of criticism on something that drops and then if you go look at like any other mass media outlet that we know isn't that is more white centric or that involves everybody else that thing usually has like high scores but whenever i look in our groups it's like getting a super high amount of criticism yeah i mean we're we're, we're definitely a hard group to please and honestly we we should be because we actually mm-hmm. like have standards. I, I think a lot of fandoms uh, <laughs> have like significantly less than that. Because like, I mean, how the fuck did Thor uh, get a, a Thor four? I will never understand that. Right. But I mean, yeah, like I, I, I there are a lot more criticisms in the the blurry community, but I think they're valid uh, a lot of the time. And sometimes it's okay to actually question a thing that's counter to the popular opinion that's when you mm. actually get find some uh, level of truth there when it's not you know too positive or too negative at least in my mm. fair enough and it's not like us asking that isn't necessarily a bad thing but i just it was an uh a observation that i noticed from being in the space now for a couple of years well shit like 2018 now at this point so i have a little bit of skin in the game in regards to being in the community but yeah. Did you have something you wanted to say, Ethan? I, yeah, I, I the one thing that, that I was touching on at the end was I do think we need to find a balance. I think that the most the most progress comes from constructive and negative criticism. Criticism. If we're mm-hmm. just bashing something without any offering any solutions towards making it better or trying ourselves to do something about it, nothing's going to happen from that. It's easy to you know, throw spears at something and be angry about something without putting any of your any. You said putting your skin in, uh, having your own skin in the game. I think that having mm-hmm. your own skin in the game is when you're actually trying to do something yourself, trying to make your own, trying to actually create something yourself and see how hard it is, mm-hmm. how hard it is to do. It's very easy for people to say, "Oh, I can do better than that. I can write better than that." Be a money, be a money money quarterback, and never actually get into, actually get into a game. So, uh, 
I give all the props in the world to those who artists, to creators, to people who actually are trying to do something and failing, mm-hmm. as opposed to those who are talking about it and not doing shit. Um, so the transition into part of the thumbnail, I know you mentioned you wanted Ahsoka to be part of this conversation as well. What was your, your reasoning for that, Ethan? So my reason for that is because I feel like Dave Filoni, the creator of Ahsoka from back in the days of uh, Clone Wars and, of course, mm-hmm. brought her into uh, Rebels, which he also created. Uh, Dave Filoni made this is his first foray, not first first foray, but is his foray with his own IP, first foray into his own IP into mm-hmm. doing the live action. Right. I know he worked on Mandalorian, but that wasn't his original character. That was Favreau's for the most part. The thing about this is watching him adapt essentially season five of Rebels into live action. I'm curious what y'all's take on it is. Did either of you see Rebels, the animated series? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, it, was a good se- it was a good series, lots of fun to watch. Watching him try to direct, at least for a couple episodes, the live action version of Asuka, it's interesting because I'm sure you all heard the, crit- the criticism of Rosario Dawson's performance as Asuka or seeing this show is like, this may look like Rebels season five, but it's not the same show. Rebels had a different kind of energy to it. Asuka had a different kind of energy to her. And watching them do this live action, there's a stiffness to it. It's a lot more stoic. Like it's a lot more, more stoic. Mm. And, the, and the reason I bring that up is because, again, it's adapting from one medium to another. I'm not saying it's a bad show. I still enjoy watching it, but it's definitely not the same thing. And the question is, do we need to have Ahsoka be live action? Should it have been live action? So for me personally, I don't think it's that different off. Like there are some beats in Rebels that are different because it was uh, its core or at least the public um, perception of it. it was a children's show. It was made for a particular uh, age group. So you're going to have those spins of like happy go lucky stuff. But for a lot of the moments there, there was a lot of dark. Like they had Palpatine force sorcering, like destroying shit through space time. And like Ahsoka died in Rebels at one point. So like like the darkness of it and like the uh, the tone of it, I think carried over. And in regards to the performance and it being accurate, I think a lot of people didn't watch Rebels honestly, because from what I'm noticing from a lot of that controversy, people want Ahsoka, this version of Ahsoka, to be very similar to the Clone Wars version of her, in which she was a lot younger and a lot more immature in different moments. If you watch her in Rebels, she's a lot more stoic in Rebels. She's a lot more of that master mentality and observing more before she jumps into action. And to me, that seems more accurate to what this character is now. You can see that in just the way that she fights now. She isn't just using one form of saber combat to be overly aggressive and overwhelm her opponent. She's adding in different styles and handling things from different perspectives to get the job done. Um, But to your main question, as far as like the adaptation aspect of it, I think this is significantly different for the fact of this IP all started in live action. Like this started from a movie and you saw what worked and what didn't work from the movie. So it's like the animated version was the adaptation and then they just changed things up. Like Ahsoka herself as a character, yes, is new, but like making her look right, like you've seen her people depicted on screen already with the costume and makeup. So you've had plenty of examples of what to do and what not to do since the 80s when it came out to now. Mm-hmm. Um, how lightsabers work, music, different things. Like you've had enough success to be like, all right, this is the formula of success for this. These are characters that we haven't put on screen before, but we know how we know what works and what doesn't work now. Especially somebody like Filoni from the writing aspect, like you have that person in that knows how to write this character. 
I think all the harder parts of this are kind of covered, honestly. Like you have the formula and the recipe for this to be good. So if you fumble the ball, if you fumble the bag, it's more so on you, I guess. Like he has everything he needs to make this successful. It's on the it's on the viewer for fumbling. <laughs> well, not the viewer, but I'm, I'm talking about like Filoni himself. Like you know what works and you know what people like. And if you just don't give that to people or you don't do that in the right way, do, it's kind of they know what works. Again, he does. He also he, saw Boba Fett. Yeah, 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 but he also like, saw the first. You saw like the first two seasons of The Mandalorian, and we also saw that third season of The Mandalorian. You did but again. But Filoni wasn't directing as much of The Mandalorian, really. It was more right. Favreau and the other team, and Filoni was involved with the writing essentially and the, and the storytelling, which is he's really, really good at that. He's really good at that. But directing live action, Filoni isn't as well. He's not doesn't have as much involvement with that. He's an amazing um, writer. He's a great writer and storyteller, and mm-hmm. so that's. That's kind of where it's, the difference lies. Is being able to there's a difference between directing live action and directing animation. It's a, it's a very big difference. Right. So I'm like, so then that that being the case, like you know how to write this character, you have that, you know how to make these characters look good and what people like as far as the aesthetics go, because you've had examples from the 80s till now what to do, what not to do, and what's difficult and what's not difficult to do. Um, and directing, it just comes down to picking out the right directors for these episodes. And so far, I think they've had the right collection of directors. Well, I mean, again, the series isn't over yet, but up until this point, I've enjoyed the show and the shots and the way things have been done so far. I've been, I can't, I don't have too many issues with it that aren't nitpicky from a super fanboy perspective of the character because this is my favorite character in Star Wars. Um, but yeah, I think that is the the caveat there is that this has been done multiple times before since the 80s so you kind of know what to do what not to do but the, but the main thing of, <laughs> one thing i say real quick just look at the difference between star wars episodes four through six compared to star wars episodes one through three mm-hmm. you know so just because there's a, a a blueprint or a roadmap of something that's been done before that worked well you know according to most people doesn't mean it's gonna work the same way every time and then also look at star wars episode one through three compared to star wars episodes seven through nine it, so yeah go ahead Otis. Now, I was just going to say that, I mean, what was I going to say? Well, essentially, I don't think that they have anything uh, mastered about how they're presenting Star Wars because, like, they're still hitting and missing in all different places. <laughs> uh, I mean, like, so, like, the, the biggest difference between that I've seen between Ahsoka and Rebels is, uh, I mean, Ahsoka is a lot slower paced um i feel like it is very very almost melancholy at some spots this is like yeah like you, you can you can pick this up like when the action is going and the music is uh going along with the tone of that ahsoka is phenomenal but like some of the conversations between them still seem very stiff and forced at times like uh the most vibrant character feels like the robot yeah, I was like, how do you, mm-hmm. how do you pull that off? <laughs> yeah. I think that's in regard. So, did you, you watch the last season, season eight of the Clone Wars, right? Because mm-hmm. to me, that had a very similar tone in how that was done. Oh, granted, that was way better. That was way better. It was animated, so it's it's has a little bit of an animation bias there. Um, in regards, not you having a bias on that, but like in regards to how I, personally, I think again, I think me and. Ethan agree. I think animation is a superior form of media, personally, and I think things just look better animated if you do it right. Um, but the tone is very similar. A lot of the conversations is very similar in how they were. I think this is just because we haven't seen Ahsoka really deal with a lot of the. She went. She's been through a lot of shit. 
and literally like disappeared from like the Clone Wars up until that last season, and that was like seven episodes, and then we saw her in Rebels for like four or five episodes, and she died, and they brought her back to life. That has nothing to do with how dry some of the dialogue <laughs> gets in the episodes. That has nothing to do with that at all, actually. You t- also, yeah. in regards to you were talking about how things seem melancholy, the dialogue option, that's just, again, that's how you feel about that's, it. That's right. what makes it melancholy. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, I, yeah, the, yeah I, I, know, I know where you're coming from, Soups. I do. But I think what we're saying, ultimately, is there's a lot of, I mean, we've seen, I'm using the memes and stuff. Uh, Suka is standing around with her arms folded like Vegeta, half asleep mm-hmm. a lot of the time and there is very the dialogue is very it's not that it's bad but it's very like so slowly paced it seems so dry the camera shots the angles the cinematography seems very much it's like, like nobody is excited shots. for this at all the, the, like, they're not excited was hype, like... yeah they're not excited there was there was mm-hmm. a part so i saw someone break down as far as like there's a part where there's a in the spoiler alert for episode two right where sabine is trying to disarm a bomb or there's a Basically, a bomb will go off if she doesn't do something in right, a limited right. amount of time, right? Uh, they, they compared that shot, that scene with um, in episode uh, seven, where Ray is trying to communicate to Finn about something in, in a heightened state. And she's like, no, no, get over there, over there. She's actually using her emotions. She's emoting, talking to him. And he's like, what, what do you want me to do? They're actually doing that. And they show the scene where Sabine is disarming the bomb in episode two. And she's like literally sitting there in bed. Asuka is staying there very calm. Hera was like, Looking eyes around, it's like there's no like you guys. This is a bomb. Could do, it, mm. You should be like concerned. Where is the concern here? Uh, I, I know we're talking about. I, I don't mean to go back and forth too much, but with One Piece, mm. there's no doubt that that Luffy is acting. There's he's he's he's, he's yeah. alive. There's uh, emotion when, there. <laughs> there's emotion. Mm-hmm. There's emotion. Usopp when he, when Usopp had to convey certain things about you know thinking that the, the, the pirates are there, gonna gonna kill his you know his his best friend. He was emoting. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's okay to emote. It's okay to emote. Yeah, like I don't know if you remember uh, the old commercial. I'm showing my age here, but you know, remember those old clear eyes commercials? <laughs> yeah, that, of that's, way, that's the energy that every episode brings when the conversation mm. starts. It's like, oh, you have to put this in there so this whole building doesn't explode. <laughs> Can you do that for me? Lights right. of the battle. Like, that's, hey, that's I haven't seen it. I know. Maybe whenever, because at least from, from my perspective, whenever I've made a post or seen any dialogue over this show, I've seen nothing but rave reviews on this particular stuff. So this is my first time hearing this particular criticism of the show. I haven't seen it, but I, I take your criticism. Or I, I understand if that's. I just I personally haven't it's, seen it. It's understandable. But also, there's but to your, the bomb point to your bomb point though. I think that just makes sense for the fact that Soka's been through a literal war, has gone against literal. Multiple bombs in that show. They've had a lot. Of, she's been through a lot of those scenarios beforehand. So you getting kind of wild out. I think the one bomb she went through was like a contagion that would have been a virus to infect an entire, that would have pretty much committed genocide on a planet. So I'm like, you go from that to like a regular bomb. I don't know. Like to me, like if I were to see somebody like, like if I were to see Ip Man get concerned about fighting somebody, I'm like, bro, you've been in a million fights. Why are you super freaking out? And Because Ray and Finn haven't been in any situation like that up until that point. So you're going to freak out. But, but I, I think To me, that makes sense from a writing standpoint, though, on why she, like like she's going to be calm. She's going to be very calm. <laughs> like, it'd be incons- like, for me, it feels inconsistent of that character to do that <laughs> like that when, like, you've been right. like, the worst of the worst shit in your, what, 30 years of life, and if I, why does this thing scare you when you've seen but, but Darth the, the, Vader in person and you've died? 
so the the I see what you're saying, and I just keep saying. The thing is, what I'm saying is, I'm not gonna say you're making excuses. What I'm gonna say is, I get where you're coming oh, from as far as being in character, but you have mm-hmm. to also make sure you're aware of the medium, and you don't want to bore the fan. If your fans are getting bored with your characters on screen during a bomb sequence, that's a problem. I don't care what the character is; you have to do something to make it entertaining on some level. Keep it in character with Asuka. You see how episode episode was it? It was a season eight where all the things. Are, I mean, not to get too much spoilers for Clone Wars, but there's some there's a lot of shit happening to Asuka in that episode, and mm-hmm. she's dealing with it as best she can. But there are times. I remember one scene in particular where she's talking to Rex, where Rex is like freaking out, and she pretty much tries to calm Rex down basically, and you see Rex is crying, but um, but Asuka is still emoting as she's talking to him, trying to calm him down. It could be something similar to Asuka trying to calm down Sabine when she's freaking out, the bombs are going to go off. Or it could be it could have a scene where Hera's like, we gotta do something, do something help her out. Or we could have Hera saying, help her out, Asuka, Asuka, help her out, do something with her. And see Asuka actually moving her hands and like, calm down. We got this, doing something. She literally, I watched the scene again, she literally stands there with her arms folded and does basically nothing. That's not conveying character. That's conveying, like you said, like Oda said before, a lack of like passion. Uh, so it's all, I, I, my ultimate point is just mm-hmm. trying to entertain your audience as best you can. That's all. When you're talking about flat, Hera is even more flat than Ahsoka is, because, like... Yo, where? Like, when does she show emotion at all? Like, where does she, like... Like, give me a, a second where he's like, oh, like, I'm convinced that this is a general of an army. So, literally, again, so... The most recent one, because this is the most recent episode I watched, so I can call this scene verbatim, of her literally leaving the hangar and, like, disobeying an order, and she's having that conversation yeah. with that guy, and she's being... Right. Here is Sandula. She's like, what am I going to do? He's like, you'll figure it out. And she's talking to her son. She's like, well, when you're a general, you can do whatever you want to do. Like, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm getting that. Like, again, I'm me watching Rebels. I'm seeing that character. This feels like that character, what she would do in that scenario. Yeah, I think I the difference yeah. is, keeping in mind, like, Ahsoka then is not Ahsoka now. Ahsoka was 18, maybe in her early 20s at that point of the Clone Wars, versus now where she's been through some ungodly shit up until that point. So like, like at least for me, the way I'm seeing her arc now, she's written to where she's not really showing a lot of emotion and not she's very distant. And you see that from the beginning of the show up until now, even in her interactions and her relationships, for everybody's telling her, hey, you should probably like chill out a little bit and not be as fucking like stoic and cold to Sabine. You need to be her master more and show her some compassion. Even in the most recent episode with the robot saying like, hey, stick together. Don't fucking yeah. divert on your own. To yeah. me, that's part of her arc and what this character is going through right now. But hey, if you're not a super fan of it, I get it. Part of the stuff too, I'm also hanging on every word because I'm getting little tidbits of like the writing aspect of it too. They're throwing in a lot of references to a lot of older stuff. So it's not going to hit the same for somebody that either doesn't know the references or just doesn't care uh, versus a super fan. Yeah, he just doesn't care. For me, I'm eating this shit up because I'm like, oh, I remember (laughs) that. I remember that. I know that. Um, And I think that's how Filoni has done a lot of his, like at least from the Clone Wars and different stuff he's worked on, he does that a lot. They do him and Favreau do that a lot in the Mandos. He's in a lot of different stuff they do. But they, I don't know. Again, I'm very biased, so I'm I'm very much. Well, it's, it's fine. It's we, we all have sure. our biases. We all have our biases. I, I think it's okay to be biased. That's what's going to happen. Um, mm-hmm. But the thing about you got to remember is you're you're trying to. This show is trying to as best it can bring new fans in. It doesn't necessarily expect everyone that's watching to have watched all four seasons of Rebels and all, I guess, eight seasons of Clone Wars. It can't expect that. I know there are people that, that are watching this that have not seen those things. There are some mm-hmm. that have seen parts of it, but they haven't seen all of it. And they have to expect that some people are going to be non-super fans, going to be very casuals that are watching this. 
So if mm -hmm. the case is the only show people that will watch this, that will enjoy this, are super fans, you made a mistake. You have to at least try to be inclusive with everybody. Um, again, going back to One Piece, One Piece wasn't trying to say, hey, this is only for the super fans. It was trying to be, it was trying to be as inclusive as possible. Like, granted, it is starting from the very beginning, but the way they had it up, set up with the Easter eggs and things like that nature is like if you if they if you see them, cool. If you don't, whatever. It's it's meant to be as much as it can be for the general masses. Um, so this sounds like a repeat of a question that we had on a, a episode way back when. I think this is episode Otis wasn't here for this one. We have a clip of it on the on the TikTok. I remember because I edited this thing, where the conversation in question was: At what point do you do things to appease your fans, people that are have supported you over a long period of time that are giving you money for a long period of time and making sure you do what you do versus try to appeal to a new fan base. Cause from my perspective, yes, you do want to appeal to a new fan base, but that fan base is going to be very, that like, new people are going to be very volatile. They don't have that, that, that skin in the game per se. Like we mentioned earlier for us to repeat another phrase, at least for me personally, philosophy wise, People that support me and that are down for me from the very beginning and have stayed with me over a period of time, I'm going to cater what I do to those people. And if new people come on, I'm great and I'm appreciative of that thing, of them coming in. But I'm doing that and knowing that they could dip at any moment because they don't have any sense of, of not I don't say loyalty because that sounds kind of toxic, but any sense of connection or link to this thing. And to me, that I, I kind of use that philosophy in all forms of a thing because you see a lot with like musicians, right? Where somebody's like, "Oh, well, this isn't the old version of that person," or "This isn't what I expected because I only tune in here and there to listen to this artist versus a fan that's appreciating this person's evolution and that you're not just a fan of what's hot at the time, but you're a fan of this thing." For me, that's why necessarily I'm loving it because I'm getting as a Ahsoka fan, as a Star Wars fan, I'm getting everything I can ask for. Even some of the they're about to get into retconning some stuff, which I won't spoil too much because we talked about not doing spoilers too much. But for me, I'm not mad at that personally because that I add that casual fan, they're going to pop in and out and they're going to be very volatile. You could appease them one day, but as soon as you do something wrong the next day, they're going to drop this thing like a sacrifice. But those fans are like, as a Star Wars fan, I have a very abusive relationship with Star Wars because yeah. I get, I sometimes I'll get amazing content like the Clone Wars and sometimes I get the new trilogy. But I stay on board because I love the IP as a whole. So when you're doing things to appease the people that are riding with you through thick and thin, I mm -hmm. think that's who you should prioritize your content toward because they're the ones making sure your content continues on, personally. But that's just my belief in stuff. Uh, Otis, you gonna say something? Yeah, I mean, uh, honestly, my belief is probably pretty similar to Charlie. You, you make sure you appease the people that have been their core fan base for the longest, but you also try to make sure you're telling the best narrative that you possibly can at the end of the day. Right. Like that's that's priority one. Tell the best story, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. of course you want to uh, have as many drawbacks to the people that have been with you for as long as possible uh, mm -hmm. to, to continue going forward because that's who's going to spend money on your, your merchandise. That's who's going to, you know, talk about your series to their friends and spread the spread the word about it. So yeah, uh, that's something that I wish uh, the 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 producers at uh at marvel would understand a little bit more when they do all these things about oh we're not making this for the fans who the fuck are you making it for then so i gotta watch it like this is gonna stop but I, I gotta i gotta push back a little bit against my brothers here because especially with marvel the reason those marvel movies made the reason the mcu made billions of dollars isn't because of the comic book fans no no mm -hmm. it's because of the super casuals people who never even heard of iron man whatnot beforehand 
they got the money from the super casuals. Think about how comic books were dying off. Comic books were going bankrupt. So if you're only going to get the fans that aren't even really buying your product in the comic book shops to actually watch your movies, my friend, you're going to be shit out of luck. So they knew they had to appeal to movie audiences in general. It's the same thing when it comes to doing adaptations. of. I mean, this show, they know that, obviously, a majority of the fan base that watched the Clone Wars animated series were probably kids or younger, or younger audiences. But they wanted to appeal to as many people as possible. What they call the four, four quadrant, young, old, male, female. So you have to find a way to kind of strike up, like I said, a, a balance. Yes, you do want to appease the hardcore fans that have been there with you for the whole time, of course. But you also have to be able to kind of spread your wings. You have to be able to make sure you get in new fans, too. Otherwise, they'll die on the vine. Well, just to add some kind of context to the Marvel conversation specifically, wasn't a big significant part of the reason those comments were dying out were because they were betraying the core fans. From my knowledge, it was a thing of they had comics out and people bought comics because they felt like a collector thing. There's a finite amount of these things, so they had intrinsic value. But when Marvel went and other comic companies went about mass printing these things is when they started losing value and people stopped buying comics as often because they don't have intrinsic value. And that's well, then that let's say that, let's, let's go the route. Let's say that's true. And what you just said before was negated because you said the hardcore writer have fans would never leave, but they were leaving. Yeah, because you didn't do things to appease them. Like they still stuck around. Like people were still familiar with these characters. And when they, when the whole Blade thing came around, like at the end of the day, I feel like because those characters, like even something like with Sony, right, where they took Spider Man out and they did, they did, they did Sony shit with Spider Man. People were still watching that shit because they're fans of Spider Man of that IP. They're going right. to watch it. Even though the mass can, even though the mass agreement on something or majority agreement is that it's ass, people still went to go watch it because they're fans of this thing and they want the best for this thing. Well, I think I mean, it, a, a big majority what? of the audience that saw Spider-Man too, yeah, they all, all of them were fans of the comics and that nature. But Spider-Man, a lot of the appeal people, people that saw it weren't just fans of the comic books; they were just regular fans. There was moviegoers that saw a good movie or want to see right. a good movie essentially too. My point is, you need that though. Do you like you have that mass success of everybody, but do you really need that? As long as you're succeed, getting return, yeah. if you're getting return invest, like if you have if you build something for core fans and you're getting return investment, and you're making a profit. Do you need this trillion dollar, billion dollar profit you got before? No, you're still successful. If you you're spending, if you're do, spending eighteen million dollars an episode live action for One Piece, you better believe they want to get as many eyes on it as possible. If you're spending, want to. But did you need to? Because we just we yes, just earlier talked yes, about the answer, yes. You don't, you don't studios, studios lose money. They don't want to lose money. Yeah, they, they lose money because they do the most. You don't need to. We just talked about earlier on the aspect of like homemade cosplays looking better than these uh, projects with billion dollar, million dollar budgets. If they're doing that with their own extra spending money, you can make a project for a affordable budget and make a return investment. It's because you're throwing money in it. Like you're using the business mentality of if I invest more money into this thing, I want to get a return profit. When they, we've talked about it before, these people that are in power with this content, they think of shit as purely business and they don't really understand how the fan or why the fan even likes this thing to begin with. That's how you have really popular, like something as popular as Dragon Ball Z abridged itself, where literally all of this is somebody redubbing something beat for beat, but they're adding their own creative spins and playing into the lore more of what people enjoy, what memes were and what they understand what the culture of that thing is. And they made buku amounts of money while spending little amount, finite amounts of money to actually produce that thing in retrospect right. of what they got back. You don't need to spend that much stuff, but they're doing it because they feel like they have to and they're not approaching it from a creator and a fan mindset. I see. Yeah, I, do, uh, I do see what you're saying. Go ahead, Otis. Yeah, I agree with Charlie because, I mean, again, if 
if you have your narrative at a point where it is just genuine, genuine quality, like your storytelling is good, I think new audiences are going to to just go into it from the hype of the first one. Like, uh, mm-hmm. like I really feel like just making sure you maintain your core audience and also find ways to innovate upon the stories that you're telling them while still making products that are at a high enough level to attract more attention. I think that's way more valuable than trying to specifically appease new fans because new right. fans don't even know what they're coming on for in the first place. People yeah, have pack mentality. Yeah, they're, not, they're, not, wanna... they're not mutually exclusive, right. though. I mean, I think you can... Like you talk about Dragon Ball Z abridged. Uh, mm-hmm. No one watched Dragon Ball Z abridged that hasn't seen Dragon Ball Z already because those jokes don't land with them. It doesn't matter. Uh, they, 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 I, it's, I it's, can it's, highly it's disagree with that. That's, that's 100% inaccurate. Well, what I, what I will say about this, though, obviously that, that content isn't theirs. That was something that was already created before. All they had to do was basically, like you said, they, it was very minimal effort and my, my effort, but really very minimal muffy money because all they had to do was redub some things. They wrote a good script, mm-hmm. of course, to make some jokes, but it's not about them actually having produced episodes from scratch or make an IP from scratch. So it, it's, I, but I'm ultimately, and we can go back, back and forth on this for days and days and weekends forever, but it's ultimately studios are have extremely bloated budgets that's a that's a fact black play mm-hmm. blockbusters are failing you know miserably this past uh this past summer i get that but you have to be understand that they do want to produce the highest quality product they possibly can because odds are the higher the quality of the product is the more eyes it'll draw more attention it'll draw the reason the mcu was more successful than the flash is because the flash is at cgi look like ass that's part of it uh, the reason oh. that the MCU's movies look better is because they spend more time and effort on the CGI and everything else there too. So it's you can't have it both ways. You can't say let's just make this extremely cheap and expect the hardcore fans to be enough hype to get able, get new eyes on the product. They want to make as much money as possible, um, and, it's, and oftentimes the best way to do that is you got to spend money to make money. You have to invest into it to make it really better. I mean, right here, right here, all of us right here have worked on a comic book, right? Mm-hmm. All of us have, and all of us have spent money on that. What's mm-hmm. one of the things you had to spend money on to make a comic book? An artist. Would you be happy having a crappy artist work on your book and say, hey, man, this is for the hardcore fans, people who know my stories about? Or would you say, you know what? I know I need to invest a little bit of, little bit of money in getting a good artist, a good colorist, a good team to make the best story possible? Okay, so using that same analogy, you have an artist that you've worked with for a while. You know what this artist is capable of. You know they do good work. Would you then go from paying them, let's say you're paying them, a hundred bucks you're just paying them two million dollars just because you have the budget for it or can you pay them a reasonable amount of like oh i have the budget i can probably go from a hundred to a thousand but not 18 million that's my point it's like kind of what otis wait, wait, has, wait, uh, my point is so like to otis's point earlier right if you have something like one piece where the core fan base liked it because of the initial writing and what it was initially before you had billions or millions of dollars put into it you can replicate that without putting that same amount in there People fell in, like people, I don't think they're understanding why people like this thing to begin with. You don't, it's like having, like, if you have a really good burger, right? Like, let's say you got 100% beef Angus burger and it's amazing, but then you spend an extra $500 putting caviar on top. Why? It didn't enhance it in any way. You're doing it just because you can, because you're trying to flex or because you're hoping that it makes it taste better. Like caviar or gold flakes, these are aesthetic things that you're just spending money on just because you can. You don't have to. The thing will still be amazing regardless, or it'll be bad regardless. It's not enhancing. So let, let me ask you. It's empty calories to me is what I'm saying with these, with yeah, these budgets. I got you. I got you. Let, let me ask you this real quick. You mentioned before the fan films that have been done for, like, let's say, One Piece or even the Dragon Ball Z fan live action fan films, things like that nature. Mm-hmm. Um, do do are 
the budget for those things, even the Star Wars fan films, right? There's some good ones out there too. Mm-hmm. They typically they won't spend. They'll they'll be as conservative with their budget as they possibly can, and, and they'll find ways shortcuts to get things done. Right. But with with this show, for example, with One Piece, they built lots of elaborate large sets. They built actual ships, actual ships. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, they actually built those type of things. They have a massive cast. They have lots of extras. They do have CGI involved with these things. They do have lots of uh, long budgets as far as shooting and the lighting, all these different types of things. These things do take money and they do take time. Um, you have fan films and you have fan shows and things, like, things of that nature. They're considerably shorter, and they can they have a lot less, a lot smaller cast. It it's I get where you're coming from, but to have a full on production, it does take resources. There's no way it around does. that. I'm not saying it. so. For instance, using that point of the belts, Otis, you finished the series, right? You finished all of One Piece so far, and what they had on Netflix. Mm-hmm. So tell me from your from your experience of watching it, how many shots or how much time do they spend on or in the ships? Uh, quite a bit, um, especially later on uh, when they uh, get to a certain spot within the the series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, they they and, they're walking and through the ships. They their scenes dedicated specifically to the ships. So my question would be. Would you be? Do you think you would get the same effect if they either went and rented a ship that's already in existence or recreated that ship somewhere else? Because you've seen in a lot of films and a lot of shows where they need to be either on a pirate ship or somewhere similar. You can recreate or build parts of a set that you need. You don't need to build an entire fucking pirate boat to get that same scene done. If it was a different series, then maybe. But the Going Mary is a very iconic part of the One Piece universe, so cheaping mm-hmm. out on there would have pissed off a lot of fans. A lot yeah. of them. To build an entire ship? Yeah. You, that, that's the thing I'm saying. It's not mutually exclusive. You're talking about trying to appease the fans. You can't always appease the fans and then skimp out on things, too. It doesn't always work that way. I don't know. Maybe to me, that's... To me, maybe that's... Because I'm looking at something like Star Wars, right, where you have... The Millennium Falcon is an iconic thing, but when they made that thing, they didn't build an entire fucking spaceship from the ground up. They built parts of it, or they built a hollowed out version of it. They built different. You talking about the one from the the like the seventies movie? Yeah, they, they, they built they that. Built they built it. Yeah, they built it affordably. They didn't spend extra millions of dollars of budgets on the Millennium Falcon specifically, just because. Well, the thing is, they had other ships and st- other. They had so many other miniatures and sets to build too. So right. I mean. It, it, miniatures again, right it, not an entire 50 foot spaceship they had one well, well, it's they a different in and scenario, out of that ship often but it's a different scenario because you're inside the millennium falcon you're on you're outside the going mary yeah so what you see so you know from production a lot of times what you see in scenes where they build a room that is the inside of a setting and then they have a model which is the outside of that setting Right. seen a lot of like when it haunted house films or whatever else where right. they really built a room but they don't ever show you you're not going to walk from outside to inside the house. It's like, oh, here's right. a shot inside of the room. Here's a shot of the outside of the building, and this thing's hollow. You building 15 houses from the ground up for a film is not necessary, is my point. Like, you can find it's ways not- that are being affordable is not being cheap. Being frugal is not being cheap. It's, I don't, like you said, I don't think they're mutually exclusive. You can do something yeah. for a reasonable price without spending an overabundance of money in it. And I think that's why a lot of these films are like you talk about in Hollywood are dying because they're spending way more money than they need to be and praying to God they get a return investment on it. Sure. No, that's that's fair. I, I, I do think we can notice. It's like there, there's 
there's more, uh, a lot more nuance to that than you think, just because, like, <laughs> again, like, like so there's weird. one fight like, for uh, a spaceship. You don't have to have shots like standing on top of a spaceship, so you don't right. need to like you know, right? You know, actually fully build the thing, right? For mm -hmm. a like actual like on water ship, you're gonna most of your shots are gonna be from outside of the ship looking at the ship. So if the ship doesn't look like a ship, you can't really actually pull out those shots the way that you need to, especially for things like naval battles. Uh, for sea monster attacks, like the ship, like this particular example is a bad one, just because like, like <laughs> One Piece specifically, like the Mary, like when the Mary was destroyed in the anime, spoilers for people who haven't gotten that far, like that was a like a, a death treated like how they did, you know, the, the third Hokage in Naruto. Like it's an important mm -hmm. aspect of it that if you don't get it right, like the fans are going to be like. That's not the Mary. That's mm -hmm. that's the go. Like that's that's something else. Or like yeah. So I mean, they, they, that, the, like, uh, Luffy, Luffy, Luffy leader calls it a character. It's like the ship yes. is a character in the series. Like when it gets destroyed, there's an actual soul that leaves it that's on right. screen that's in right. the anime. Like that's a thing that, that happened. I forgot about so, that. That's right. I would I want to yeah. show you guys an example of what I of what I mean. Kind of kind of neg not negating what you said, but. Part of the reason and why I think that's somewhat invalid, and I'm not going to play the whole thing. I've been looking for the specific part, and this is directly. I think this this matters because it's in direct reference to um, a series that almost mirrors that thing. Where is it at? Where is the part I'm looking for? But you can keep talking to your point. I got to scroll through so, the video. So I'll, I'll, I'll just pick it back up what Otis is saying. For another example, of that course is the pirates movies, the pirates of the Caribbean movies. They actually did have ships. They had real ships they used. I mean, they had lots of ships they really used for that. But again, they used, they were able to pull from actual vessels that had been vessels that had been around before Gorbavinsky and them. They were able to find ships that still existed. They were able to pull from them. However, they had a lot of they had a lot of destruction, a lot of things, a lot of actual battles and stuff like that, too. So they had to build actual practical uh, effects and practical ships to do lots of these things. That does take time and money to do that. So if you were trying to skimp too hard. Or save money too hard in certain areas, it shows and it will hurt your production. Over with with Luffy and not Luffy with the whole One Piece, there were plenty of sets that they, they built that they did save money on. For example, we see the exterior of the ship that that uh, Garp is is riding in a lot, but uh, it's mostly upon it is a set. We see a set on the dock, or we see him actually in his office. So they did find ways to save money on that. They didn't have to build necessarily a big old you know battleship mm. for that. But they did have to build it, they, but they did have to build it going Mary. There's certain times so, you can say many things you can't. This example, I'm not gonna play the audio for copyright reasons. I want to see a truck. I'm just play a couple seconds of this thing. Speaking of Pirates of the Caribbean, this is exactly what I meant in regards of how they go about producing these things without having to spend a large amount on it. So as you can see, this is like the death row scene from I think Pirates 2, right? Yeah, where they did a good bit of this stuff on screen and they built like a, a whole CGI set where you just saw let me go back. Just make sure we can you see it again. That's not a whole CGI set. <laughs> like so doing, that, like using, renting one of those, or building and buying one of those versus actually spending billions of dollars to go to a fucking rock fall to do this stunt itself. That's an, at least for me, that's significantly cheaper versus risking build like doing that on a legit cliff versus spending money on that. I guarantee that's you, not a this, one. That's not a one. It's not a one-to-one one one ratio, but it's an example of ways they can go about it. I've seen them do this on pirate ships. As far as them, like you talked about the ships, they've had parts of ships and CGI the other parts of it sure. and just added to it digitally. 
Like yeah. that's how they get around doing think, different things like that. And that's, <laughs> um, that's how they do that I, I, affordably. Wait, wait. I think we may be, we may, we may be losing some of the uh, the point here. I so well, let me understand what you mean. Understand what my my point's being: you don't need to spit like, especially with the ship aspect of it. You don't need to build an entire ship from the ground up. When I've seen other films that have had amazing, like probably better pirate ship battles than anything else has been out, especially when it comes to, uh, at World's End with that fucking whirlpool battle. They did a lot of that through building decks, not whole ships, but just the deck part and CGIing everything else in and giving you the illusion that there's an entire ship there. I don't think you need to spend that much are, money on a whole ship. Are you upset that... <laughs> I'm not upset. upset. I'm trying to no. understand your reasoning for like spending that much money just because. Because it's, 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 it's not just because. It's doing it just because. As, as, as Otis said before, the reason is because you're trying to make the actual... Where you can, you're trying to make uh, bring to life a very big part of the series as right. best you can. Uh, obviously, they, they, they were able to... There are, are shortcuts they can use. I told you how they... With the, with the Garp ship, I know they didn't build a big old battleship, but they had a they did build a large deck that had that house that you know showed him and his whole crew on there, and they also built a set for his office. However, with the going Mary, because it's a smaller, much smaller vessel, and they are staying on, on the outside on the deck of it multiple times, and you see Luffy sitting on the actual head of the of the ship or the mast uh, multiple times. They had to have something built practically for that. They had to be something practical for it. Mm. You can use blue screens. Of course, you use blue screens, but in that clip you just showed, it showed they were using blue screens when it was swinging back, but then also it showed them actually in the jungle for real, running through the grass with that basket, with that big, huge thing they built. Oh, by the way, that was a real, like, you know, human bone. A real cage, yeah. everything, real cage they made. So there are times, it's, it's, about, it's about combining techniques. It's about combining blue screen when you can use blue screen. Right. And by combining right. practical effects when you can use practical effects. They aren't mutually exclusive, and it's, it's a but what I, what I was trying to get at before though, what I was trying to understand was, are you upset that that shows or movies are using or spending money? Do you think that spending money is a bad thing? What, 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 no, I'm saying they're spending spending unnecessary money. I'm not saying like to your point, you can use a combination of the two. You can you can use green screen. You can spend extra money to making sure you're reserved, like kind of what they do with an MCU film, right? If I really want to get a really good shot off or seen off inside of a city. I'm going to spend a little bit of extra money to reserve this portion of Atlanta to film this thing like they do a lot of the time. They just reserve mm -hmm. off areas. You can do that. Mm -hmm. But for a series in which you're spending $18 million every single episode, I feel like something like that's necessarily unnecess unnecessary to me personally. Uh, granted, I have to see what they're spending that amount of money on or what the budget is going to per episode. But I feel like there's in there are moments where you can be affordable but not be cheap just because you're making something affordable doesn't mean you're skimping out per se like because you're paying an artist a hundred to get the same results as somebody else has charged you a hundred thousand doesn't negate the quality of that thing if you're getting well as long as you're getting quality results for the money you're spending i'm fine with it but if you're just doing it just because you think you're going to get a better and return investment that's my issue. I think a lot of these companies are looking at things from a business standpoint and not the aspect of like, like Otto's talked about as far as the going Mary being a character in itself. Right. That I understand. I don't think the studios understand that. I think you can you can recreate the going Mary and give that same love for it without spending an absurd amount of money on just building in a hundred percent replica from the ground up. Personally. Right. I, I got it. I, I, I think I understand what you're coming from, and that's fair. Yeah. You don't want to spend in excess just to spend in excess. Of course not. Yeah, you shouldn't do that. Uh, but again, I don't know where all the I I don't know why they so where the money went necessarily. I I mean, they look at, let's, let's look at it this way from this one thing. 
none of these none of these any of the actors, none of the leads in the show for One Piece, right, are big name actors. So the money they spent wasn't on the talent. No offense, but it wasn't towards that. I imagine a lion's share of the of the budget went towards building these sets because there's several sets. There's lots of sets, building all the different sets, uh, and getting all the the actual crew members. As far as I mean, the the teamsters and production, whatever it was, to to build all these different type of things, light all these different types mm-hmm. of things, all the post production, right. all the pre production, all the all kind of stuff. That's where a lot of the money probably went. Because for me, that's unnecessary spending to me personally. That's where you're skipping out on things. If you can spend a little bit of extra money and get an amazing level actor, not even just a big name actor, but just a really good actor to come and play this role, that's where I'm like, all right, cool. I don't mind spending that extra money to have that level of quality versus spending it here when I could be getting here to get a better product, personally. But there's there's so much that comes into play with that. Like, I mean, like the, like, along with like building those sets, right? Like right. part part of that you have to pay the people to actually build those sets. That's part of the budget that goes into mm-hmm. it. Like you know, all the bits and pieces of uh, things to to make uh, the the lighting the way it's supposed to be. That that, that costs money. Like right. there's so many ways to end up spending a large amount of money on a production of that caliber that you mm-hmm. might not even account for. That uh, like within just like the the regular. Like say if you you said like oh yeah we're gonna go ten million dollars right to, to to spend on that. Before you even get to the actual process of paying your actors, right? The set design can call like I've seen I've seen people going to like uh with my old job, right? I used to work at a job called HMR. Um right. that where we set up uh you know high scale weddings and, and, and dinners and events for things. Mm-hmm. I've seen people go into a project with an intention of spending eight hundred thousand dollars on, on on a wedding and ended up we're spending well over two million, and it has nothing to do with the actual materials that they wanted. There, there are fees that you have to pay for, for for zoning. You have to get permits for for filming things. You have to get, you know, uh, you have to like if you're if you're building a set to a certain degree, you have to use a specific set of workers to do it, depending on what you're doing. You that mm-hmm. like there's just so many small fees that can come out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And like the thing is, like you say that, uh, like they were overspending for doing uh, sixteen million dollars an episode. There are still scenes within that that still look cheap to me. So like, how can you yeah. say that they are overspending if they aren't even maximizing what we want from what they've done? So let me let me clarify. It's not just overspending in just the form of overspending. I think it's overspending in certain areas. So like to your point, like the wedding, right where. You're spending all that money that didn't initially plan for, but the all end goal and the overall thing that you're trying to accomplish with that wedding is for the family to have a wedding and then enjoy the wedding in that environment. If that was done, you spent that money, you got your money's worth. You got what you were trying to accomplish. To me, that's not overspending personally to me because that's something that's something sentimental. You're trying to get something. You're not getting a return investment on that. You're spending money just to spend money in that in that form. With something like this. Uh, a better example to me would be like, like if you're going into filming something, right? And like you, you've heard a lot where, um, where like Sam Jackson, right, in the Marvel stuff, where I think the original comic writer he drew that uh, he drew like Nick Fury in that way, based off of Sam Jackson specifically because he was a fan of him and that's who he said he would like to see that character as. So right. if I'm going into a budget, I'm like, hey, I'd like to have these particular set of actors. Let's try to build a budget around getting these people in, but building a budget around the rest of the stuff. If you can build that budget around it and it works, cool. 
That's perfect. That's the ideal scenario. But if you're spending a little bit of extra money, but you're also getting the level of quality that you were seeking out, to me, that's not overspending. If to me, it's more unnecessary spending is what I call it. That's probably the better word for it. Like if you're spending I, I, unnecessary yeah. money. I think one thing we have to all be aware of is we are not on the set of this. We were not involved we're not. in the production of this. So everything we're saying now is so much over speculation that we have no right to attest to, not even a little bit. So the best that we can do now is simply just judge what we saw on the screen for what it is. Not worry. We, we spent a lot of time talking about the budget of these things and saying we spent over money. It's like, we don't know where the money went. We don't know what happened. All I know is that some of this was affected because of the actual pandemic. That could, that could affect things, affected the budget too. So I, I think this conversation, we don't have nearly enough insight to be able to speak on it uh, knowledgeably or accurately. Well, some parts of it I don't think require a lot of insight if it's blatant in your face, like in regards to like the costume design or like even like you because we, we had the same conversation with the Marvel stuff with the MCU shows as far as COVID interfering with literally like script parts. Like we had with the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, they had to cut out a whole subplot of a script because of COVID mm -hmm. and they just had to make that work there. It is what it but, is. Sometimes what, you have what, that what, stuff, what I'm saying though is. We, we don't know where they spent the money. If you have a problem with the costume design or what have you, that's fine. But that may not be where the money is spent. We don't know. So to, so to try to speak about that too much in detail with an overabundance of or lack of knowledge uh, isn't doing anybody any good. It's just speculation. And we're just spinning our wheels. So that's what we're here for. We're here for pure speculation. We're commenting on what we're observing. That's the whole point of this. So thing if that's the media. case, though, what I would say is you can you can obviously speak on your problems with the show or shows. Mm -hmm. That's perfectly fine. But getting so deep into the minutia of the oh, we spent a lot of time, like half an hour talking about the budget of things. We don't even one. Why does that matter to us? Who cares about the budget? Uh, two, we don't really know how where the money is being spent. What it matters, it's it's not a it's a, it's who cares? Who cares? I mean, that's we don't know because we're when we're looking at because we're looking at the issues of these things and why we think a lot of these live action adaptations don't do well. A lot of it is how it looks. Like ninety percent of the time, when you're talking about issues, it's how it's looked, and sometimes it's just not them respecting the thing at all because you'll have people calling Ang Ong or how they pronounce certain things. Like you just didn't care in that point. But a lot of the issues when it gets how it looks. Like looking at the last airbender and, and them earthbending versus looking at them bending a pebble. Like that's a lot of the issues with a lot of these live action adaptations because you're taking something crazy in animation and you're trying to bring this over. If you know you don't have the budget or you don't have the ability to make this thing look good, just don't do it because you know you're going to lose that investment. Or at least read, read structure how you want to do that thing. Because inevitability, so like they look. goes into that, bro. Because like, like you might go in with the full intention of like, hey, I'm going to film this shot exactly this way and it's mm -hmm. going to look like this. And then you do it and it was like, oh, that didn't go expected. Now I have to spend money to redo the shot, get get whatever new equipment in, get whatever changes. Like there's so much that can go into like just filming one scene that we can't account for on our end. Mm -hmm. It's difficult to say like, oh, this was wasteful. Because like you... Like a uh, prime example in the end up in, in the in the One Piece show, there's a scene right. where uh, there uh, there's a ship battle between uh, the Going Mary and Garp. Uh, like they're, mm -hmm. they're attacking them. Like if that scene goes wrong, they may have to rebuild a portion of the set to make sure that scene goes right again, and that might be right. another fifty million dollars. Not, not exactly fifty million dollars, right, but right. there could be. There's so years. much things that can go into that. Trying to speculate, say like. Oh, you spent money on this when you should have spent money on that when we don't know exactly what that dollar goes into is like 
it's like throwing darts at a board essentially there's no way to <laughs> right yeah we, we just don't we just don't know things it's... of that nature I, I completely understand that because I, I do understand the aspect of luck when it comes to making stuff like this because like for example you hear the story with like the dark knight with the joker walking off and blowing up the hospital you've heard the whole thing of like his reaction to that wasn't how it was supposed to be written because it didn't go yeah. as planned but because his take and he did it in character and it did it so well they probably saved a lot of fucking money having to re-blow up an entire hospital so you yeah. have luck involved in different things of that nature. I'm just right. talking about the visible things you can control when it comes to the aesthetics of like again, I'm I'm harping on costume design mostly. When it comes okay. to like that kind of stuff, I mean I'm not that mad at fun. that. But it's mostly yeah. that yeah. might have been the ass end of the budget. They said, like, hey, build all this stuff, get all the equipment for this, these shots, get all the, the, the CGI stuff you need, and mm. whatever's left is going into making the outfit design. But I, but but I think also oh, his battery's getting low. Uh, yeah. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> like I said, we probably cut it. And charge it up all the way. Yeah, you probably, probably cut the episode here in a bit, anyways. But all, all I'll mm. say it is, uh, it's an aesthetic choice. There's no denying that that on some level is probably what Oda and them were going for. They probably were going right. like, hey, we want this to look kind of like a stage play. This is meant to be. If you've seen One Piece, it is a very like it's it's yeah it has some blood and graphic stuff in there and some death and everything else, but it's meant to be kind of an over the top, uh, exaggerated kind of series. So they may say, you know what, this kind of this aesthetic fits. These clothes looking the way they do kind of fits for the aesthetic of the show. The color scheme right. it fits with the that's it may be you may not like it. I get that entirely, but it may mm -hmm. fit for what you're going for. Otis mentioned something. Or you told me uh, actually, Charlie, you told me something that Otis said to you before as far as like. Running Kenshin or other samurai anime, like uh, if they made a Vagabond series, for example, that could probably be an easier thing to adapt in some of it because you're basically doing a feudal Japan type of series. And there, we have reference for feudal Japan. We know what those clothes look like on some level. We can easily put those kind of those clothes in that uh, aesthetic can translate pretty well to modern day or it can translate pretty well on film because we've seen it before. But something like this, where it was meant to be, it was designed to be an over the top animated series, it's a different, different breed, you know. Fair enough. Um, and again, for people that are watching this, I am not opposed to being wrong in any way. So if you have receipts or something of the sort that proves me completely wrong, let us know in the comments or on any of the socials. I will, I'll do a whole public apology if I'm just dead wrong on something and they spent money in the right places and it just didn't go right. I'm not opposed to being wrong. This is just my observation from not only this live action, but a lot of the complaints we've seen from every other live action adaptation. Like there's a reason whenever somebody like an alert about a live action adaptation comes out, niggas are like, "Who asked for this?" That's like one of the right. number one things I see, or yeah. why. Um, mm -hmm. And again, those at least for me and my observation are the issues that I see recreated from live action adaptation to live action adaptation. But mm -hmm. it is what it is. Um, I think we should, we should, we've probably run out of time. We need to get <laughs> up out of here. Um, but before we get up out of here, you guys have any closing thoughts or sentiments before we get up out of here? Yeah. Uh, make sure you check out the review that we did for uh, this episode on the Blurry Cartel uh, YouTube channel, Three Episode Rule. I'm um, also uh, talking with the Moon uh, with Every Moon Baby. We did a review for the episode as well, so check out check out the full review there. Uh, I gave this as uh, One Piece uh, live action six out of ten. Um, oh yeah, rating the scores yeah. dropping. Scores dropping. Yeah, the rate. <laughs> The rating, rating. I only watched it once. Uh, my rating for it, I'll, I'll give it a solid, uh, you know, eight out of ten. I'm not the biggest hardcore uh, One Piece fan, but I would give it a solid eight out of ten. I enjoy watching it. It was a surprise. It was better than I thought it would be. I thought I liked the fact that they actually had, a, you know, a diverse cast and a cast. I thought the cast did is it's when it comes to portraying these larger than life personalities in live action. 
I thought that the, the, they did the best they could. I thought Luffy casting a, a live action Luffy, having him pers- whatever his personality would be, could have been a real nightmare. But mm-hmm. uh, for what it's worth, I, de- I thought he did the best he could. I thought that um, you know it's it is what it is. So I, I give it. It's I did not. It wasn't tor- it wasn't painful to watch this. I would never watch Last Airbender again. I would punch a man in the face if I had to watch Dragon Ball Z Evolution again. Uh, I, I tried to watch some of Cowboy Bebop again. That didn't happen. I could watch. I could watch this again. Mm-hmm. So that should tell you something. Yeah, still best live action ever. Uh, yeah, it's a six out of ten when it's compared to other series in general. Compared to other live actions, it's like a thirty-five out of what? two. Like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> close. Yeah, I'm not going to uh, give it a ranking just for the fact I didn't finish it. I got, I came down with my sickness. I think like four episodes in, and I just slept for like a whole day or two before this. So, I, I will say it wasn't painful to watch, but it really wasn't like it didn't make me want to watch it. I was more so watching it because it felt like my job because of the podcast. I'm like, I know I got to talk about this. Let me watch this. Um, but it was it wasn't terrible. Again, it wasn't terrible. There were just aspects of it that I was like, okay, this is doing the same mistakes that we've seen in other live action adaptations, uh, from my perspective at least. But there, there's one thing I want to say real, real quick, uh, just to say the last thing I would say. When I was watching Asuka uh, episode one, I, I noticed I, that I was time traveling. Like I was maybe watching it, and all of a sudden I, I wake up like, wait, what happened? Because uh, I actually dozed off at, at points because it got a little too too dry, too boring. I didn't doze off watching One Piece. That's because you're old, though. All the criticisms <laughs> that I get towards Ahsoka, I still got that better than One Piece by a, a, a bit of it's, a margin. It's, I think, that's the thing. I think Ahsoka is a better overall show. But I do think the it it's pacing the tone. It's yeah. pacing. He's drinking the me right now. That's um, a, a, it's, so I, I, both both of them have their problems. Both of them have their problems, and both of them have the, both of them have their strengths. They both have their strengths. I need y'all to say this in the chat before we get online. This is my first time hearing this criticism in the show at all. I ain't hear none of this in the chat. <laughs> I think it's lagging a little bit, but yeah. Um, before we get up out of here again, thank you guys for watching for tuning in. Uh, check out our other shows and people we're affiliated with, like Blurred, uh, the Blurred Cartel, uh, Tapping No Capping, um, and all the different shows that are associated with those organizations those guys make dope content um by us for us so again if you are a black nerd or just an ally please do us a favor and check that stuff out um we have more stuff to come on the in podcast we're gonna hopefully have a lot of a full slate when it comes to october and a lot of the halloween content we're planning on doing we're gonna be reviewing a lot of the new interesting uh horror films that are gonna come out around that time a24 being one of them dropping some good stuff um, and we're gonna have Danny back on the show, so we're gonna have our residential Woo! special effects expert come back to speak on a lot of this stuff. Yeah, too. we'll, we'll so have her talk about budgets. We'll, we'll have, have some set design, budgets. yeah, budgets. Yeah, she she really has more info than we do. A on lot of insight. Yeah. Granted, granted, it's in horror and horror. You can do a lot of stuff on a budget, but I digress. Um, thank you guys for tuning in. We appreciate your support. For your support, we hope for your continued support, and we'll see you guys next time. Peace. Peach. Definitely go check out both of these. They're probably significantly better than the none two is going to be.